0: Welcome to another episode of Ask a Pastor, where we want to have a conversation that is designed to help Deer Creek think and act faithfully in the world. And my name is Aaron Ellis, and we are joined today by Daniel Nealon. Yes, yes. Great to be here, Aaron.
1: Uh, I'm trying to open usually, the floor. I'm know, trying to open the floor for you for to say something, joke. really. I liked, uh, <laughs> I liked when it, uh, Dwayne did these with me, because he would at least humor me and laughing at my bad jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I like uh, to see
0: you squirm. Yeah, I, like
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't appreciate that.
0: <laughs> it's like but. Jerry Seinfeld, you know, he'll, he'll just flat say, that wasn't funny. <laughs> to, you know, to, <laughs> yeah, to people funny. that he has on his show, um, <laughs> yep. car, comedians in cars and stuff like that, it's pretty funny. It's like, no, that, that, I'm not going to give you I'm not even going to give you a Because <laughs> it wasn't funny. <laughs> but that, that makes it uh, more funny, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so then that makes me the funny one.
1: Yeah, let's not go that far. Let's (laughs) (laughs) let's not say too much here.
0: Hey, well, thanks for tuning in. We're going to continue on in our discussion about what the Bible says about homosexuality. And before we dive in today, we're going to pray and we're going to ask that the Lord open our hearts to uh, be submissive to his word. So, Lord, we ask that you would shape us by the power of your word. And, Lord, we pray that our hearts would be made tender to the people around us who might have a lot of questions about this subject. And also those who might even be struggling with homosexual desires, Lord. Mm -hmm. We pray that um, our hearts as a church and and, um, even Daniel and I, that our hearts would be made tender and and that your grace would be made known to the people around us and and to those who uh, need to know Jesus and struggle with sin. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on this episode, we're going to address some common objections that
1: we that we hear here and there. Um, yeah.
0: These are, these are pretty common, right?
1: Yeah, common objections mm-hmm. to... Yeah, and this is good, because last episode we talked about kind of three categories of people. Yeah. There were those who knew what the Bible said, but they objected to it. Yeah. There were kind of the confused, and then there were the choir. Yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. preaching to the choir. Yep. And yep. today, we're still addressing the confused and mm-hmm. the choir, all of them, but sure. we're giving more attention to, hey, here's what the those who object yeah. will often will often uh, say about yeah. Christian sexual ethic. So. Totally.
0: And one of those big things is uh, on this subject is, isn't the purpose of marriage just about covenant faithfulness? Now, they, may, mm-hmm. they might not always phrase it that way. Yeah. But, hey, isn't it just about two people coming together to make a commitment?
1: Yeah. yeah. And by the way, we're all for that. Yeah. You know. Amen. We believe that's part of marriage. Yeah. So, hey, let's be faithful to one another. Yeah. We've made a covenant and that's just a special you know, word uh, that the Bible uses to describe marriage and God's relationship with us. So there's a lot to affirm in that. And in fact, there's a number of websites and maybe you know some of our uh, congregation has heard of these websites. But if you go to some websites, that is one of the main uh, kind of objections mm-hmm. that these websites give toward, you know, a Christian sexual, sexual ethic. Cause they'll say, Hey, no, the real purpose of marriage is about covenant faithfulness, not yeah. about whether it's a male and a female so, together. It can be a male and a male, female and a female. And as long as they're covenantally faithful, right, then it's, then it's legitimate. So yeah, it might not always be phrased that way, but that's kind of what that's, what's at the root of it. And um, the way that, you know, I like to usually answer this is First, by asking questions. A, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And usually when people get down to it, what they say, well, what I mean by that is, you know, marriage is supposed to be about a lifelong faithful commitment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's good. Where do you get that idea is the next follow-up question.
0: Yeah.
1: And usually people, if they are claiming to be Christians, they'll say, well, the Bible mentions that. Uh-huh. And I would say, okay, great, where does it mention that? And at this point, you know, I haven't even answered the question. I'm just asking questions back. Yes. Yeah. And almost exclusively, they'll go to Ephesians chapter five. Uh-huh. So Ephesians chapter five talks about how Jesus with his church was covenantally faithful to his church. And had laid down his life for his bride, the church. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we see God is always faithful to us. Marriage is also about a man leaving his father and mother, holding fast to the wife. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says, This mystery is profound, for what I'm saying refers to Christ and the church. And so, from there, they say, See, just as Jesus was faithful to his church, died for his church, that's what marriage is about this covenant faithfulness of always pursuing your bride. Um, but it's interesting that when people do give that answer, they've left out something very important from Ephesians chapter five. And so let me read it. Yep. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Mm-hmm. So what's being assumed there? There's yeah, a, husband. a husband. Yeah. A complementary relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a husband yeah. and there's a bride, right? A wife. So it continues that he might sanctify, sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word his wife and those two shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. So is covenant faithfulness important about marriage? Amen. Yes. Yeah. But you can't read Ephesians five and say, see, it's all about covenant faithfulness mm-hmm. without saying, yeah, but see, it's also a man mm-hmm. must leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. There's ingredients involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to have the right ingredients. Yeah. You got to have the right ingredients. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like perfect example. Since you mentioned ingredients, right. To say, Hey, a cake is just flour. Right, yeah. Right? It, it's just yeah. flour. Hey, as far as I know, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. That's but, all. <laughs> but flour, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Uh, me too. Um, but even, you know, if you're not making a cake from right. scratch, yeah. right, it's more yeah. than flour. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So, so to zoom in and say, hey, marriage is all about covenant faithfulness and uh-huh. it doesn't matter male or female, I just say, hey, you're being selective with what the Bible actually says. Right. It says it's about much more than that. Yep. Part of that being... Hey, it's also about male and female. Because if you put flour into an oven, right, bake it at 350 for 25 minutes or however long, you pull it out, a cake, be, a cake it right. is not. Yeah, a cake it is not. I'm not sure what it might be, but it's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. it ain't going to be cake. Would, yeah. It's just going to be hot I'm flour. I'm pretty sure you got to
0: put some eggs in there. You do. And some sugar. Oil. And oil. There maybe. you go. Now we're talking.
1: Yeah. Mm, Cakes And then, good. you know, mix those enough, and you're probably going to get a cake, right, and at some point. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, to selectively focus on that as covenant faithfulness, that's just not getting at the whole picture of what the Bible paints about marriage. It's one important part, but not the whole part.
0: I think something that strikes at the heart of even an emotional aspect, right, of, of how people feel around this subject, which is this objection that says, well, what if two people just love one another? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't, shouldn't you just let people love?
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's again, good impulse there, right? And we always want to affirm what's a good impulse. We do want to be people who love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if two people love each other, that's a great thing. Um, however, when we're talking about what the Bible says about marriage, again, we would say, hey, that's being very selective. Because, for instance, the Bible speaks against males and males, females and females having sex, Mm -hmm. or getting married for that matter. Mm -hmm. And the question that, again, you'd have to follow up with is, well, there are plenty of different relationships that love one another, where both parties mutually love one another, Mm -hmm. but would you say that they are then therefore entailed to, and it's right that they engage in sexual activity and that they're able to get married? So take it to its logical end. A lot of people love each other, right? Fathers love daughters. Mm-hmm. Mothers love sons. Mm-hmm. Is it okay that fathers marry daughters mm-hmm. and engage in sexual relationships with their daughters? Mm-hmm. Is it okay that mothers do that with their sons? So take that to another one. Is it all right to love multiple people? Mm-hmm. And that multiple people are able to enter into a marriage agreement or have right. sex with each other. Yeah. Um, members of the same family, uh, animals, Mm -hmm. right? Many people love their animals and you might say, well, that's extreme. Mm -hmm. But as we mentioned in last episode, when we talk about homosexuality, those are kind of the categories that the Bible talks about it. because we're talking about sexual sins, Uh right? Uh The Bible is very honest that human sexuality has been so distorted that it's not outside of the human imagination that humans will have sex with animals. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's why in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 21, it talks about, you know, marrying or having sex with animals. It talks about having sex with um, your neighbor's wife committing adultery and marrying your father and your mother and your sister in law and brother in law and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, again, two people loving each other, great, but that's not the only thing that marriage is right it's a basis for marriage but not the basis sure. if it's the basis then we have to extend the marriage right to every group of people or select individuals that love each other yeah yeah, that, yeah. I think that makes sense well
0: kind of intertwined with that as well is people's happiness right yep. because we feel like we are happiest when we love whom we want to love yeah right? And so, aren't you just denying somebody's happiness by opposing homosexuality?
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, great impulse. We want people to be happy, (laughs) right? Um, But here's something that's a little tough with that. The Bible doesn't really speak to happiness a whole lot, right? The Bible speaks to joy. Mm -hmm. Um, The closest thing that we get to happiness in the Bible comes from Matthew Chapter five. So this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. They're known as the Beatitudes, which means like it's usually translated blessedness Mm -hmm. or blessed. You could probably translate that fairly happiness. Mm -hmm. And notice what Jesus says is going to bring us happiness or who the blessed, happy people are. Yeah. So Sermon on the Mount. Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil and false evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you the way the bible thinks about happiness is different we'll just say that it's not a hundred percent imposed like the bible's not saying hey if you're not poor you know if you're not mourning you ain't happy right no it's not saying that right but it thinks about it differently Mm -hmm. and so i think the fair question to ask back to that okay we're denying people's happiness by saying they can't have sex with one another or they can't be married and I would come back at that with maybe two questions to consider the first question would be um, what we talked about a little bit how do you define happiness and have we been shaped by the culture around us and the people around us to think that happiness looks a certain way that upon further investigation doesn't really give us happiness yeah So I would argue that our culture elevates sex and sexuality to such a level that we would say, you are not going to be ultimately happy in your existence if you aren't sexually satisfied. Yeah. And I would just say that just doesn't square with the life of Jesus or the life of Paul. Mm -hmm. Paul said, you know, he learned to be content and joyful in all circumstances. And Paul was celibate. Including
0: singleness. Right.
1: Jesus was celibate. Yeah. Um so that'd be the first question I'd say is hey could it be that we've elevated our sexual uh preferences and satisfaction to such a level where we think it's going to deliver something that it's not and we think that happiness can only be found in it so that's the first question I'd ask mm-hmm. Um the second question so what the bible says is our ultimate goal uh-huh. so question what our ultimate goal is happiness yes. what the bible says our ultimate goal is is to be holy Right. So we want to live a life that um, reflects God's holiness uh-huh. and that is holy. And the Bible says as, as a uh, um, result of that, mm-hmm. we will have ultimate happiness. Uh-huh. So that's what Jesus is getting at in the Beatitudes here. Yeah. Because notice how he ends this. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Nobody is happy in the moment when that's happening. Right. But notice what he says. But rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Mm -hmm. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yes. So he's saying, hey, holiness gets you the most happiness. Not necessarily right now. Right. But your reward is great where? In heaven. Yeah. Eternally. Yeah. So we have to really be careful to think, hey, we are not people who don't believe in heaven. Or that stuff has to have an immediate impact now. Right. No, we have this confidence that pursuit of holiness now may give us happiness now, uh-huh. and sometimes it does, but a lot of times it's going to get us persecution, evil, reviling against us, and we have to be content in the fact that blessed are we because our reward's great in heaven. right? So that's a good
0: point, because that applies to any sin. right? Any sin. This, you can take homosexuality out of this. And put any other sin that I struggle yeah. with, right, right, in there. And even even my straight, you know, yeah. I did air quotes, those of you who are just listening. My yeah. straight sexuality. Um, and even there, my sinful impulses there... Um, that's not storing up treasures in heaven, right. Right, as, as yep. Jesus talks about. Yeah. And um, so just the reminder of what Jesus says of, of storing up our treasures in heaven and, and thinking forward, right, about yep. about that. And because because we are called, um, uh, even as um, heterosexuals, to abstain from sexual practices that are sinful. Totally. Absolutely. In the same way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep.
0: Because our reward's great in heaven. <laughs> All right. Well, what else? So why can't we just let homosexuals marry— If it isn't harming anyone. So, if it's not harming anyone, what's the
1: big deal? Yeah. So, we're not going to pretend to be sociologists here. Right. So, there are, yeah. uh, I can pretend to be one, but it's going to be butchered. Um, (laughs) But, so I don't want to get into the whole sociological argument. There are people who do get into sociological arguments of, hey, actually, homosexuality and two people uh, being married of the same sex actually plays a positive social good. I don't necessarily want to debate that. Yeah. Other than this is the only thing I'm going to talk about sociologically. Then we'll return to the Bible. Is that let's just ask ourselves this question. Take the American sexual ethic 50 years ago. Uh huh. Were there things wrong with that sexual ethic? Sure. Yeah. yeah of course. Absolutely. Yep. Um, there's a lot of things that we should say. Hey, we would not condone that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. I would argue um and I could probably be proven wrong on this but just take this for what it's worth I'd argue that hey that was probably closer to the biblical sexual ethic or the ideal biblical sexual ethic 50 years ago than it is today Mm -hmm. okay so just grant me that
0: on a social on a social aspect aspect. what's what is considered socially acceptable
1: and not acceptable good yep okay perfect so I feel like I've caveated that enough to death sure (laughs) now saying that I would just have us examine okay are we better now than we were 50 years ago? As a society. As a society. Again, I could probably be argued on this, and somebody would probably have counterclaims, but I would argue, actually, as a society, we are worse off sexually. Mm -hmm. More marital unfaithfulness, Mm -hmm. more divorced households, Uh more unhappiness in households, Mm -hmm. greater objectification of women, greater access to pornography. Mm -hmm. I would just say, hey, on the whole... I think we've declined. Yeah. So that's all I'll say on the social. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But let's get back to what the Bible would say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not harming anybody that two people could have sex with, whoever they just consent to have sex with, mm-hmm. right? And to that, I would say that's super short-sighted if we're just saying, hey, it doesn't do harm in the 70 years that somebody's living to have sex with somebody of the same sex. Because, again, we're eternal creatures. Yeah. And so this is where we have to be, you know, particularly struck as people who want to follow Jesus is people will live on eternally. Yeah. And the Bible says there are eternal consequences. Yeah. To any sin that we don't trust in Jesus to be our sacrifice for and we repent of mm-hmm. and that we sincerely want to follow Jesus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's, that's what we have to really realize when somebody says, Hey, you know, it's not harming anybody. It we'll say that's super short-sighted because yeah. you're viewing people as if you live 70 years and then you die. Right. But as an eternal creature, we have to have that as our perspective first yes. and really answer that. So when we talked about Leviticus last week, right, or in our last episode in the old Testament, Following or engaging in sexual immorality, the punishment for all of those, as we saw, was death. Yeah. And now we would look at that and be like, "Well, that's super extreme. Mm-hmm. But that's illustrating something that's actually much more dreadful. Yeah. Is that that was a representation of God's ultimate kingdom.
0: Yeah.
1: His ultimate eternal life that he's offering. Mm-hmm. That if we don't trust in our savior, in Jesus and have faith in him. And we insist on having our own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to mean being barred from God's eternal kingdom. Yeah. Suffering what the Bible calls eternal death in hell. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really uh, discerning as followers of Jesus yeah. and saying, Hey, a lot of these kind of taglines or phrases like, Hey, it doesn't harm anybody. Yeah. We have to realize, hey, well, hold on. It's because you're assuming a whole lot about, a human person, namely that life doesn't continue on right, after this, the grave. It's
0: all about the temporal here and now. Right, the
1: right. Physical. Yeah. Because we could end. even you could even convince me, and I'm not saying that this is the case. So I'm gonna caveat myself to death in this episode, but you could even convince me, okay, say it is a positive social good. Sure. Well, it's not an eternal good. Right. And so that's yeah. what we should care about most. Yeah. So I think that's that's there, where we have to put the weight. There's eternal harm. Right. There's eternal harm that comes with rebelling against God.
0: That even links up with the point that you made before um, about the, the whole idea of storing your treasures in heaven and, right. and being heavenly-minded. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. Thanks yeah. for that reminder. What about the objection of, hey, look, I was born this way. I can think of songs, yeah. right? Yeah. I think a yeah, Lady absolutely. Gaga song comes to my head right now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, look, I was born this way. Uh, this is how I was made. Or, or I mean, people, yeah. God made me this way. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, what do we say to that? I was born this way.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, I always like to answer questions with questions. And this way, uh, this actually got asked to me at a wedding in Nashville about a year and a half ago. Because uh, I was sitting with somebody who was in a same-sex relationship. And uh, as I do, I just strike up conversations with people. Sure. <laughs> and usually when they find out you're a pastor, you know, they want to talk about stuff that is spiritual, you know. Right. Um So we were talking about this and and he made the claim, you know, but I was born this way. And I said to him, yeah, and I was born that way too. He would say, but you're married and you're a heterosexual. And I said, well, yeah, but what the Bible says is that sin touches every single part of who we are. And so a good verse for this uh, is Romans chapter three. So Paul's talking about... uh, the Jews and Gentiles at that time, and the Jews thought that they were better off because they had God's law. But yeah. what they forgot to realize is actually what the law was doing is it was imprisoning everything under sin. It was supposed to illustrate, look how captive to sin you are,
0: yeah.
1: right? Yeah. Uh, look how weak you are. Mm-hmm. And Paul says that that sin touches every part of your life. So he puts it this way. Uh, what then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have, all, we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. So when we say we're born that way, mm-hmm. we're saying, yeah, we're all under sin. Yeah, or the, the,
0: the theological category is the natural man. Yeah, right? the, natural, the, the man. natural man.
1: The yeah. man that comes from Adam. Yes. So we're all under sin, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. So that's getting at, hey, our status before God under sin is no one's righteous. What's, how does our mind function under sin? No one understands. How does our will function? No one seeks for God. Then it goes on. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, right? The stuff that comes out of us, our words that we use. They use their tongues to deceive or liars, right? The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet, right, where we walk are swift to shed blood. In their paths is ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, hey, I was born this way, I say, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yep. I was born in the condition of sin. Yeah. And... Um, Paul kind of picks up on this same thing and he really unpacks how this is the case in Romans chapter five, where he says, hey, think of Adam, the first man, Mm -hmm. and Jesus, the better Adam, the better representative of -hmm. of God's people. Mm -hmm. And he says, Romans chapter five, therefore, sin came into the world through one man, referring Mm -hmm. to Adam there, Mm -hmm. and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Mm -hmm. For, well, just leave it there for one second. So he's saying, hey, see, notice, Adam brought sin into creation, and because of that, now we all die. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how we're sinners? Well, we die. Yeah. That's, that's prime example number yeah. one. Yeah. Um, then verse 18, he says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man, Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, mm-hmm. so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous so you see what he's getting out there hey if you are a descendant of adam which by the way is everyone mm-hmm. then you were we're all born into this world corrupted by sin mm-hmm. subject to death we're all born guilty we're all born sinful and we need a better adam jesus to save us from that yeah so i'm born this way mm-hmm. and now the question is okay so given that we're all born this way under a condition of a distorted sexuality because of sin, Mm -hmm. now what do we do? Because to say that I'm born this way would be to say, hey, well, I was born with a disposition to murder.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's true. Yeah. Some people are born with a disposition genetically, with a disposition Mm -hmm. toward alcoholism.
0: Yeah.
1: And it runs in there. It's it's so ingrained. Sin is so ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. And the thumbprint of Adam Mm -hmm. And the blood of Adam runs through all of our veins to such an extent that it touches every part of us. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I would answer that. say, hey, yeah, we're all born this way. Right. My sexuality is so corrupt mm-hmm. and so distorted that my objective here is not to say, hey, become straight. Right. My objective is to say, hey, follow the one who has perfect sexuality. Yeah. Follow the one who has a perfect life and a perfect righteousness because it's there that you'll find forgiveness for your... Sin, guilt, Mm -hmm. and cleansing and transformation for the power of sin in your life. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So, by one man's righteousness. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, by one man's righteousness. Yeah, that's Jesus. That is Jesus. He's the only refuge for us. So, that's where we want people to go.
0: Amen. That's good. That's a great final point to make. And um, I really appreciate that. And thank you for drawing our attention to the gospel. And, um, and in that, because that is true. We are naturally born with the, with mm-hmm. the to sin because we, yeah. because it comes from
1: within because we are yeah. sinners. And, um, and that's where we do have to be discerning Aaron. So uh, before you close out, remember how we talked in episode number one of this series of kind of the framework for God's design for marriage creation and sexuality. Yeah. We also have to have a framework for what it means to be human after the fall yeah. of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, then you could say, well, I was born this way. And you look back to Genesis 1 and say, well, if you're born that way, that's how God created it. So it must be good. But you have to realize after the fall, here's this framework in Adam, corrupted and distorted by sin, Mm -hmm. all the way down to our core.
0: Yeah. Wow, thanks. That's good. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ask a Pastor. We're, we're really thankful that you're watching or listening, however you are indulging in this. And um, we're going to pick it up again with another episode um, on this subject of homosexuality. So join us next time. All Take right. care. See ya.